Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Just Browsing Podcast. I am your co-host, Zach, and I will be your main host for today. The only host today is because <laughs> I have not seen any of the movies Matt, involved in this. Topic. Matt's a bystander and is going to be uh, watching Twitch streamers gamble or something on his computer while I talk about movies, probably. Um, yep. Welcome to a new episode. This is going to be the official 2021 uh, movie recap. So... Long-time listeners will know that we have done many episodes doing movie flashbacks starting all the way back to 2013 and kind of working our way forward, but I told Matt that it would be good timing since it's, I mean, it is kind of the end of January at this point, but since it's at the beginning of the year still, still, um, it'd be a good time to do the 2021 um, movie rewind kind of to go back through the movies. Now, these are going to be the movies that I saw that were the new releases for 2021 and as I'm following the same process that we have done for the past movie flashbacks where I've ranked all of the movies on a scale of one to four stars and then done my top five um and I actually just thought I was like towards the end of this episode we'll get to Matt's top five and then I realized you said you're gonna be seen top one, one. <laughs> one of these movies so that'll be a quick top five for you but um Matt's a trooper, and he's a good co-host, and he's going to indulge me and let me talk about movies because um, we've been talking about... This is his final movie episode simi- ever, so don't worry, Just Browsing Family. This is not the final movie episode We're getting ever. rid of the movies once and for all. Just because you don't like to talk about them. Um, yeah, so without further ado, we'll go through the 2021 movies. So I think what I'm going to do is just kind of start from the lowest-ranked ones that I have on here up through the highest-ranked ones, and then I'll give my top five... And we can go from there, and this podcast will take about 18 minutes because Matt's not going to say anything the entire time. <laughs> He's just going to shut his mic off and leave the room. Um, starting at – so I, it looks like I saw 34 new releases in 2021, which I think is about pretty average for my movie list at the end of each year. I think it's been as high as like 50-plus at some points. It's been as low as like Do 20. Do you have a rewards card with the movie theater? See, I don't, and I don't ever like sign up for any of those movie rewards things like with a specific theater chain. And the only reason I don't do that is because I always just see movies at random theaters. Like I don't, I'm right, not very like, brand loyal at like AMC or United Artists. I just kind of go right. But you go to probably three: Regal, United Art, or is Regal United Artists? I think Regal is United Artists. I think so. You probably go to two. You probably go to AMC, and then if Regal and United Artists are the same thing, you go to those two. I also AMC go to. And- Landmark that's over by our house, and I don't know if Landmark is its own thing, but that's like a third one. So, my point being, the reason I don't do that is because I always. It's not like I go. But if it's get free to AMC, sign up for, you well, can. I guess that's you probably true, get a but, free movie every like five movies, and you go see yeah. thirty-five movies. That's like seven free movies a year. But the thing is, out of these thirty-four movies or so, like I probably saw ten or less in theaters. Like a lot of them, I saw. You could have got a big VOD popcorn for Chris or, or Redbox or whatever. I could have, um, but it's one of those things. Like if I let's say I had an AMC like subscription for whatever their rewards program is, I maybe only see a movie at AMC theaters once every year. You know what I mean? It could just be the other times are all at United Artists or Landmark or whatever. Right, but it costs you nothing. Yeah, I guess, but it's, it's just, just like another email. app to have and shit. I don't know. It's just I don't bother with it. It's just it's <laughs> such a stress to have a movie theater app on my phone. I already have enough movie apps and rewards apps for other things. I just don't bother with it. Anyway, it's a fair question, but I have a logic behind why I don't sign up for it. So anyway, and like times are kind of changing. Like I said, most of these movies 
while they were new releases, I did not see them in theaters. I saw them either on HBO Max or Netflix or I just watched it on Redbox or whatever. So it kind of defeats the purpose of having a movie theater subscription thing when I see like maybe 10 movies a year now actually in the theaters. Like Zach probably theaters are gonna one of those is, would be really good for him because he's like always in the theater and he sees almost every new release in the theater. I'm kind of choosy with which ones I'll go actually to the theater to see. Others I'm like, I'm interested in that, but I'll wait till it's like... There's certain movies where I'm like, yeah, I'll just see VOD. that with you guys. And then there's other movies where I'm like, I'm not... I'm, I'm I'm not interested at all. Yeah. See, and I think the difference between me and Zach is like he'll just go to all of them. Even if he's like, let's say, marginally interested in a movie, he's like, I'm going to go see it in the theater. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just wait till it's on Redbox. And that way, if I pay $1.25 and I don't like it, I'm, I'm not that bummed. You're not sitting there in a movie theater <laughs> for fucking 18 bucks, being like this. Yeah, I have, to, like, I have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, being like, home, this, like, this movie's not worth me being here and paying $18. You know what I mean? So anyway. Little little bit of uh, distraction there at the beginning. That, but that's my part of the episode. So that's, this is where I bow out. And that's your input. Go watch TV. Um, okay, so coming in as the lowest ranked movie on the list that I saw this year is a movie called The Power of the Dog. And I just gave that two out of five stars. It's one of those movies that I saw trailers for and it was like, you know when you watch movie trailers and it'll be like from Academy Award nominee, director so-and-so, an Academy Award nominated person so-and-so in the main role. with like the best Yeah, and you're like, movie. holy shit, this movie's going to be amazing. And then like everyone's being like, it, it'll have all these things, like especially before the Oscars, it'll be like shortlist selection for, you know, top finalist at the Sundance Movie Festival or whatever the hell. And you're like, man, this must be really good. Well, this was one of those movies and it tricked me into watching it. And since it was available directly on Netflix, I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And it's got Benedict Cumberbatch in it, who plays Doctor Strange. I'm like, I like Benedict Cumberbatch. He's a good actor. And it's just not very good. I just, I don't know if I'm missing it, like the point of it or whatnot. It's like a, it's a Western, but it's just really slow. And like the, the acting's good, but the storyline just like didn't really go anywhere for me. And there's, you kind of keep thinking it's going to build up to some like great twist or reveal or some like incredibly violent turn by this character. And like that just never really happens. It's it's so I don't know. I just, I kind of left the movie being like, I don't think that wasn't really worth my time. Even though, even though it was on Netflix, I was like, I should have just watched right. something else. Yeah, I should have watched. Baking Speaking Blondest. of that, I've seen uh, the lost city of Z now and that's actually a pretty good movie. Dude, you mentioned that last time I need to watch that. Cause I heard like nothing but good things about that movie, but it's yeah. like really slept on. I feel like not a lot of people. That's what made me go to uh, Peaky blinders was because it's like yeah, the right time frame. Yeah. Peaky blinders, dude, we got to <laughs> talk about Peaky blinders at another point. Um, the next movie on the list, I only gave this one. So the next few are like two and a half out of five. So like not horrible, but also like not very good. Um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Did you see the first Venom movie? I did. What'd you think? Are you, are you a Venom fan? Eh, it was all right. Yeah. Let's be let's be real. I mean, I guess that's technically Marvel, right? Yeah. Tech, or I guess technically Sony. Does Sony own the rights to Venom? Yes. So it's like Sony kind of like they own the rights to Spider-Man, even though Spider-Man and Venom are both Marvel characters. They're not technically owned by Marvel right now. So so in reality, this is a quick side note so we can get back to the list. Sony holds Disney slash Marvel by the balls. Sony's like, I own you. And Marvel's like, no, you don't. And you're like, you want to make another Spider-Man? And they're like, yes. And Sony's like, nah. Uh. <laughs> I think... 
Disney and Marvel definitely have the upper hand on that one because they own the rights to like all of the other characters you've seen in the MCU. And but the right only now, one, Spider-Man is the. I mean, the Spider-Man. New Iron Man. I, I think it's literally. I don't. I don't know by what metric you can measure this, but I think Spider-Man is literally Marvel's most popular character. So it is pretty awesome for Sony that they own the rights to like the most recognizable, popular character in Spider-Man. But they've. I, I mean, you could do some Googling on this, and there's like a lot of reading to be done on like the companies of Disney and Sony and like their legal teams working out the legality of who's going to be producing these movies and who gets like what share of box office returns. Because, you know, Tom Holland's Spider Man has been in the MCU for multiple movies now, and his movies have been grossing billions upon billions of dollars. But Sony technically owns the rights to his character, so they have to work out this weird little gray area where it's like, we're kind of leasing Spider-Man back to you. Right, so does Sony own the rights? So does Sony make the amount of money that like a Tom Holland would make during the the movies he's in like it's honestly a good question i don't know how that works i think sony makes a good chunk of whatever the box office returns are going to be they're making billions but i do think disney and marvel also make a good chunk of it too but you would i I think probably where disney and marvel landed with it was like listen we realize the value of spider-man and we need to have him in our mcu for it to be like a legitimate mcu but also we have all the money in the world because we're disney and we're marvel so like who cares if we give Sony the box office returns for a couple of the movies? Like we have twenty seven right. movies in this cinematic universe that we can lean on for box office returns. I mean, to Maybe me that's, that's how I mean. would look at it if I worked at Disney. Yeah, or if Marvel. I was Marvel, I'd be like, okay, you can have all the rights to the solo Spider Man movies, and you'll get all the profit. We won't take anything. We just put Marvel in there, you know. Yeah. But for the movies he's in that are part of the MCU, as far as with other characters, we take a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was Sony, a big deal. Yeah, I mean it. Both come. It works out for both companies for sure. But anyway, um, Venom the sequel. I think you know your little review of the first one being like, eh, it's all right. That's kind of how I felt about this one. It's very like noisy. It's a very noisy right. and busy sequel. And I mean, it's fine. I like watching Marvel movies. I like watching superhero movies. And Venom is an interesting character. It's just kind of weird and. It's also very weird to me that Tom Hardy seems to be so committed to the role of Venom and just being like this weird kind of greaseball like journalist guy who has this alien living inside of him. Like a guy who is as talented as Tom Hardy, it just seems like a very strange thing for him to be like, I'm going to make several Venom movies. Like, okay, I mean, sure, have fun. If you're I mean, everybody wants to be a superhero. If you're having a good time and you're making millions of dollars, I mean, I'm not going to blame you, but it just seems like the guy's maybe a little overqualified to be playing Venom, but that's just my two cents. So um, the next movie on the list is a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Now, this is the latest movie from Taylor Sheridan, who is of Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River fame, and, and most recently Yellowstone, the TV show. I'm a giant fan of his work. I think pretty much everything that I've seen from him has been amazing so far. This one just really fell flat for me, and it's a... It's an Angelina Jolie movie. Maybe she because plays you set like your a, standards too high. I mean, maybe. And and really, in all fairness, the first several movies that he put out where he was either the screenwriter or the screenwriter and director were like amazing yeah. and blew me away. So it's like, you know, if your bar is set that high, if he comes in with just an average movie, you're like, eh, that sucked. But I mean, it's not too terrible. It's better. just, it's definitely not Wind River. It's definitely not Hell or High Water. And it's definitely not Sicario. So 
don't go in expecting that if you're a Taylor Sheridan fan. Um, but it's not terrible. I mean, it's got a lot of the similar elements that you come to expect from like a Taylor Sheridan led story, like kind of set in like rural America, you know, more of like the Southern sort of like cowboyish nature of things. And it has to do with like firefighters on in national parks and stuff like that. And then there's like a criminal aspect of it. And I mean, it's cool. It's got some good fight scenes and stuff, but I don't know. It just fell a little flat. To nothing me. to write just, home about. Yeah. Nothing to write home about. So the next one is another, I would say this might've been like the biggest disappointment of the year for me. It's a movie called the little things. And this was one of the very first movies that came out. Remember how, I don't know if I was explaining it to you. I think we, we were talking about this last year, how HBO or Warner brothers rather made the decision to release all of their brand new releases on HBO max. Yeah. Same month as in theaters, just due to the whole pandemic and them not knowing right. like how to feel out the theater situation. So this was one of the very first movies they released direct to HBO max the same month it was in theaters. And it's a Denzel Washington, Remy Malik, Jared Leto led crime thriller that had an awesome trailer that looked amazing. And I'm like a huge Denzel Washington fan. And Jared Leto is always bringing some weird shit to the table. Um, he's he's kind of capable of like some really great roles depending on what kind of story you give him. Right. Um, and I like crime thrillers and, you know, murder investigations and stuff like that. This one just was – it fell flat. It was like the movie I was just talking about previously, Those Who Wish Me Dead. It was like I was expecting – something a, a lot better run. and it just fell way underneath what I was expecting. Not to say that it's like terrible. I mean, but it was terrible. Yeah. It's just, it was a letdown. It, I think this was like the biggest disappointment. Cause like I got really excited for this movie and the fact that I could just watch it on HBO max. I'm like, I'm going to watch this brand new Denzel movie that looks fucking awesome just for free on HBO max. And I was like, ah, oh, that wasn't very good. Like, I don't know. It was just a real like, I need to watch something better right now. Yeah. So, um, this next one, in fact, these are th these are four in a row. So those who wish me dead, the little things, this next one called Reminiscence, and then the movie I'm going to talk about next. All four came out on HBO Max the same month they were released in theaters, and all all four of them kind of missed the mark for me. So perfect example of what we were just talking about about how if I went to the theaters and saw any of these movies and paid eighteen dollars for it, I'd be pretty pissed. Whereas I just watched it on HBO Max and I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, I already have the service, so it wasn't any more money out of my wallet. So I'm not too upset, but also I wish it was a little bit better kind of thing. So this movie is called Reminiscence, and it was Hugh Jackman's latest movie. And it was written and directed by, I believe it's Christopher Nolan's wife, or maybe it's Jonathan Nolan's wife. I'm not really sure. But anyway, she's a producing partner with one of the two of them. And obviously, like, we've talked about Christopher Nolan movies on here before. He's Terrible. one of my all-time favorite directors but it this has like a very inception-esque feel from the moment you see the trailer but it just is not that good of a movie and i think she was really like swinging for the big ideas she just doesn't have quite the talent behind her that christopher nolan does so it just kind of fell a little bit flat but i mean i think this was like her first um, movie that she's directed. I think she works on the show Westworld with Jonathan Nolan, and mm -hmm. that show's fucking awesome. So, who knows? Maybe she'll continue. I mean, she clears to have clearly has a big interest in sci-fi stuff. Um, hopefully, she can only get better. Hopefully, it's only up from here. I mean, you gotta. Most of the time, people's first, you know, like their directorial debut is not like an Oscar-winning. Mine effort. will be. Okay, dope. Can I be in your movie in no. your directorial debut? No. Oh, can I be a producer? No. You can watch it though. 
Uh, I mean, I'll, I won't do that actually. If you're, if you're not gonna let me, if you're not gonna let me be a part of it, I'm not gonna watch it. I'm gonna boycott it. You can you can pre-screen it. Will you send me a screener? Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, the next one up. So this was the fourth movie in a row that I was saying was released directly on HBO Max. Godzilla versus Kong. Have you seen any of these newest Godzilla? No, movies? No, because I'm not a fucking fan of Godzilla. And that movie, no. all the previews for it, I watched like a an extended clip on YouTube of it, and I was mm. like. It just doesn't seem entertaining to me. <laughs> so I'm like it's just it's just not I'm not not hitting, hitting I'm not the, the world's biggest Godzilla fan, but I mean, I like monster movies and kind of like destruction movies. But I will say when the first movie in this sort of like new rebooted Godzilla series that they've done came out in like twenty fourteen that Godzilla movie had one of the coolest trailers I had ever seen, and I was so fucking excited for a new Godzilla movie with like new special effects and everything. And while it's like really watchable, it's not that good of a movie story wise. And then I was like, well, you know, it's the first one; like they'll probably make sequels and they'll get a little bit better. None of them have really been all that good. Because then there was Kong Skull Island, which I, I kind of same thing. It's like it's fine. They needed to stop it's watching Kong him after the like, Jack Black one. That one I liked. That one was that really that's good. a good movie. The Kong Skull Island one is just like, okay, we're watching Kong, you know, destroy helicopters and like fight giant lizards or whatever it was he was doing on the island. And then they made the Godzilla sequel, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is just really weird and there's like all these other Titan monster things in it. You don't really know what the fuck's going on and that one was just kind of like, all right, you know. I think they're we watched just at that the point of money grabs right now. Like, and then just- this one was the same way, where it was like, I mean, I'm not gonna not watch a movie called, called Godzilla versus Kong, but it was kind of it ended, and I was like, yeah, it was fine. I mean, they just it's nothing special. It's just a money grab right now. They're just doing yeah. the same shit, different day, and it's just I'm at the point where I'm like, how many Godzilla movies do you got to make? I Dude, get the original ones are like really bad if you look at it from a standpoint graphically right, right now. Right, 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 right. But that was so much cooler back then with the idea yeah. of this than it is now. Yeah, I mean, Godzilla is an interesting thing because, like I said, I'm, I'm not like a particularly like a mega fan of Godzilla. I mean, I, I watched that Godzilla movie that came out in like 04 or whatever it was that I think had Matthew Broderick starring in it. And I actually really liked that one. And I've seen, obviously, these new ones. and But I've, I haven't really been like a giant King Kong fan either. Right. But they are. There's no denying how like incredibly popular they are to popular they, they, culture yeah. and, and the history of films because like they've been making King Kong and Godzilla movies for a long Forever. time. What I was gonna say is, um, if you have the HBO Max app, which I think you do, because I think aren't you using our login? <laughs> go just no just, HBO. I'm not using their login. I have my own. Oh yeah, no. We obviously don't do that because that would be against the rules. Matt for sure has his own HBO Max login. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> if you're ever just curious, go to the movies section and like look at how many. Because I watch Game of Thrones. Again? I, I oh, guess okay. I mean yeah, do that. I mean, um, I think it must be that Warner Brothers own, owns the rights to all those movies because that's why they're on HBO Max. But there's literally like Harry Potter's on there, like twenty Godzilla movies, and they have just as many like King Kong movies too, and they go back like. They're old, like the 40s and 50s. You're like, I did not know they were making Godzilla movies in like the 50s. But Claymations. Yeah, dude, they look hilarious. In fact, 
before we were going to watch the new one, I was just goofing around. Like we had just eaten dinner or something at the house. And I was showing Taya on YouTube, like clips from like the old, 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 old ones. They look fucking hysterical. Cause they're like just guys in costumes, like running around, like attacking each other, yeah. and, like slapping each other. And then they'll like fall down a hill. And it looks hilarious. Cause it's just this guy in like a dinosaur costume rolling down a hill. Dude. It's so bad. It's so fucking bad. But, you know, I don't know. People get excited about Godzilla. Anyway, the new Good one's not really all that great. So next one on the list, we're now into the three-star category. So these are like what I would consider to be pretty decent movies that I'm not mad that I watched. I'd probably watch again, but they're not into the territory of like, man, that was really good. This first one's called The Card Counter. Now, this is one that I've been kind of checking off a list. I had like four or five movies that were new releases from 2021 that I have not seen as of yet. And I've been trying to whittle the list down. And this is one of the ones that I just watched like really recently. I just watched this like last weekend. This has got Oscar Isaac playing like a former military interrogator who had to serve 10 years in military prison for doing like some fucked up shit to some prisoners trying to extract information. And now, so he learned how to count cards while he was in prison. And now he's like addicted to gambling and counting cards at casinos and stuff. It's, Perfectly fine, but I think my issue with it was like when you go into a movie like that, you're expecting A, a really good gambling movie or B, like a really good like gritty crime movie and it was neither of those things. It was really weird. Like you thought it like was going to... You thought it was going to be like a 21 type movie? Yeah, like I'm like either there's going to be some dope card counting sequences or he's going to win a big poker tournament like on some crazy hand or there's going to be like some really serious crime shit and he's going to like do some fucked up shit. But like neither of those things happened. It's very weird. Like they were kind of walking the line of like flirting with doing one of those two things and they just never did either. And I was like, yeah. So I wish that one was a lot better. It's not bad, but it's not, it, it could have like, it had a lot more potential than what it lived up to. Um, the next one is called wrath of man. This is another three star. Um, this is Jason Statham's newest movie with Guy Ritchie. And it's like a bank robbing type movie. Um, pretty cool. I mean, I got, you know, Jason Statham in an action movie shooting assault rifles and like robbing banks. Like, sign me up. You know, that sounds cool. Yeah, he's a bad actor. <laughs> um, the next one is Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Now, this was um, Michael B. Jordan in the new Tom Clancy movie. And it was pretty cool. It's an Amazon original um, and he's like a you know special forces soldier who you know like classic story of one of those of the like, Tom Clancy shit. Yeah, they like he gets betrayed by his government and has to prove his innocence and like you know it's cool. There's a lot of like good action and Michael B. Jordan being a savage you know badass and like I don't know it's cool. Nothing crazy though. Um, the next one is actually another Amazon uh, produced movie called The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. Have you seen this I- one? It's on my watch list. I got legit have yeah. it on my Amazon watch list. I yeah. just haven't gotten to it. I will say it's not bad. I mean, if you're into alien invasion, time travel stories, or yeah, podcast, it's cool. I mean, clearly we are because we talk about this shit all the time. And I mean, Chris Pratt, who's one of the most bankable Hollywood action stars in a sci-fi movie with aliens and time travel. I mean, that right there, it's like you checked all the boxes for a movie I want to watch. It's just not great. It's not bad, but it's not great either. Um, but yeah, there you go. The tomorrow. So check it out if you want. I mean, if you already have Amazon, check it out. Um, this next one is the matrix resurrection. So this is the highly anticipated fourth entry in the matrix series, which, um, I'm sure, you know, you are familiar with me talking about the matrix here recently. And so are the listeners who listen to the simulation theory episodes we did, but 
I recently went on my rewatch of the Matrix trilogy, which are, you know, I will go to bat for any day, three of the dopest sci-fi movies ever created. This new one is all right. It's really strange and it's very like meta and self-referential. So I'm not, I don't think my mind's entirely made up on it. I might watch it again to see what I think, but the first three, it does not hold a candle to the first three. I'll say that. Like the first Those three, first are, three are revolutionary. Down. They're fucking awesome, dude. Like, and I rewatched them recently and they hold up. And a lot of people think that like the first one's a masterpiece and the sequels kind of suck. I liked all three of them. Yeah. I, I personally thought all three were really awesome. I thought it was a great trilogy. So it was one of those ones where Matrix Resurrections is, Resurrections is like, why are we making a fourth Matrix movie? You know, it was, it was a, it was a trilogy. It had a beginning, middle, and end. Like, there's no reason to make another right. one. But, you know, it's fine. Whatever. I mean, if they keep making Matrix movies, I'm probably going to keep watching them. So, um, the next one is the Sopranos prequel movie called The Many Saints of Newark. So, this was, like, touted to be the Tony Soprano origin story. And while I will say this movie was not bad, it just did not really – I think the marketing – didn't do any any service to this movie because you kind of watching the trailers and the ads for this movie you kind of were expecting like oh we're going to get to see Tony grow up and this is how Tony becomes the Tony from the show the Sopranos right. where he's the big boss it's not really the case it's actually about Christopher Moltisanti's father and Tony you know he's in the story and it involves his father and stuff, but it's like not about Tony. The movie's not about Tony at all. I mean, he's Go in figure. it some, but that's Damn not you, what Tony. it's about. So, but the movie ends, and I had the thought that the guy, because it's the same guy who wrote and created the show, wrote the story for this this mm. prequel movie. I don't think he directed it, but he wrote the story. It ends like rather abruptly, and you you kind of were expecting it to to compress the timeline between when this is being told and like the start of the Sopranos, which it doesn't, which means leads me to believe that maybe there's a plan to make a couple like more a of these story. prequel movies or a prequel show to span that gap. So I, I feel like they're leaving themselves open to do that, which is why the movie ends that way. But it's a little disappointing watching the movie where you're like, Oh man, like I really thought we were going to see a little bit further down the Just timeline. Leaves you but, waiting for another one. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess maybe that's the point. So, this next one is the third Conjuring movie. So this is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Definitely haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, I, that does not surprise me. Um, this one is not nearly as good as the first two Conjurings, which I think are legitimately two of the greatest horror movies ever created. Um, this one's just not nearly as good. And it's, while all three of them, you know, it still has to do with the Warrens and they're they're like loosely based on stories by the Warrens and like cases that they worked on and stuff. And this one had to do with like a court case where a guy was who had murdered someone was trying to use the defense that he was possessed while it happened and all this kind of stuff. And like, while that's kind of an interesting angle, it's just, I don't think it has the scares and I don't think it has as good of a story as the first two do, um, which leads it, which leads me to say that it's kind of like a disappointing sequel, but it's not terrible. I mean, like it's a decent horror movie. It's better than probably a lot of the crap horror movies that come out. But what do you do? There's no bad horror movies ever. <laughs> this uh, this next one, uh, we're still in the three star category, by the way. This next one is another horror movie called Malignant, and um, another HBO Max one. Um, this movie, the only thing that I'll say about it is that 
it takes the craziest left turn I think I've ever seen in a movie. Like you think if you watch the trailer for Malignant and then you watch the movie Malignant, it is not what you were expecting from the trailer. I'll just say that. I don't want to spoil anything, but this movie took one of the weirdest turns I've ever seen. And another movie that I thought was similar that I thought really pulled it off was like a movie called The Cabin in the Woods. But this movie's not like that. I, I will say I did not like the crazy twist as much as I did in The Cabin in the Woods. Um, but it's weird because like this movie's directed by James Wan, who is famous for making the Insidious and the Conjuring and the Saw franchises and like getting those really off the ground. So he's like a horror master. He's like a psychopath. And I'm a giant fan of the Insidious and the Conjuring movies. I have I haven't ever seen any of the Saw movies, but those are more like mental games. They're yeah, like, would you yeah. cut your own arm off to save three people's lives or yeah, whatever? Yeah. And you're sitting there like I've never no. I've never seen any of them, but so I went into this thinking like, you know, the trailer, you're like, oh, it's another sort of like supernatural sort of possession movie by James Wan. This is probably going to be pretty fucking crazy. And like that, it's just not what you think it's going to be. I won't say any more because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But if you're in for like an incredibly chaotic, like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm watching this movie ride, check out Malignant. And I think it's probably back on HBO Max at this point, but really insane movie. Um, the next movie is called Kate, just Kate. Um, this is a Netflix movie. I believe it was a Netflix original and it's got Mary Elizabeth Weinstead who is basically playing like a hit woman in Japan. I think it is. And it's kind of like a John wick esque action thriller with her at the helm. And it's pretty dope. She murders like a bunch of people in that movie and it's pretty awesome. And it's also very similar to, have you ever seen the movie Crank with Jason Statham, an older yes. movie called Crank? It's got a similar conceit to Crank where like she gets poisoned and she's going to die in two days or whatever. Nice. And so now she's going to go like get revenge on the people that she's going to run through the whole organization of the, the guy that like, poisoned her. And she finds out that she wasn't poisoned and she goes to prison forever. No, I'll let you watch the movie. But oh. it's cool. It's like It's not like a great movie, but I thought it was a very stylish action movie thriller movie where she just kind of goes on a John Wick-esque rampage and murders a bunch of people. So, next movie is the first Marvel movie we've gotten to on the list, if you don't count Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which we had that whole discussion already. This is like the first MCU movie we got to on the list, which, if any for anyone who's counting, there was four new MCU releases last year. This is called Eternals. Now, Eternals. Eternals, I would say, is like very, very different than anything else in the MCU. There's definitely nothing like it. Um, I was pleased with it. It wasn't amazing. I wasn't really blown away like I am with a lot of Marvel movies, but I wasn't disappointed either. I don't think Marvel really makes any quote-unquote bad movies. Like This definitely cannot be considered a bad movie, but I think the critical reception for this was not so great as, a, as a compared to a lot of other ones, but it's basically about... So in the MCU, there are these things known as celestials that have existed for like millennia, like since the universe began. Like, I don't know if you remember from Guardians 2, um, Star-Lord's dad, Ego, Mm -hmm. is a celestial. So He's just a bad one. Yeah. There are these beings that like are immensely powerful and they can create things and matter from from their power. So... These, etern- these celestials, rather, created, or this one particular celestial created these beings called Eternals, 
and put them on earth like thousands of years ago to fight these things called deviants, which are like these animal monster things that can right. take different shapes. And all of these Eternals have like a different power set. So like one is super fast. One can like control the minds of human beings. Another guy is basically Superman. The guy who played Rob Stark from Game of Thrones plays this character and he can fly and like shoot laser beams out of his eyes. He's like basically Superman. Mm -hmm. So there's like this whole group of them um, and they're basically there to protect humans from the deviants. Um, so it's a really cool idea and it's like nothing that i've ever seen and i think a lot of the comic book people are really excited to see the celestials and the eternals in the mcu but it's um it's not amazing like i said it's not like i think one I of think the coolest mcu mcu is gonna be like a hard because there's been what 24 previous movies that it's gonna yeah. be really hard to crack into the avengers part of the mcu and be like People aren't going to open their minds to these newer movies and be like, oh, that was cool, but Avengers is better. It's like, okay, well, get rid of the Avengers portion mm -hmm. of your mind and enjoy this for the different part of the MCU that it involves. Right. Even though I think it's in one of the previews, he goes, the Avengers have their job and we have ours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, so to me, that makes it seem like they, they coexist at the current moment, Yeah, but they have different things that they're meant to do. Right. So it's like, get rid of this idea that the Avengers, you know... Yeah, is everything like, starts and stops with the Avengers. Right, yeah. like, MCU is bigger than that, so right. understand that it might not be that good as Endgame, because you gotta think, Endgame took 23 movies to get to. Yeah, exactly. Not the start of... A, I mean, Iron Man 1, phenomenal movie. Great fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Was it the best Marvel movie? No. No. Not at all. I mean, it was a great movie, great introduction yeah. to the first Avenger. Well, you know... The, the first, first Avenger movie yeah, in the yeah. MCU, but it didn't, you know, we can't sit there and judge the Avengers just on Iron Man. Yeah. So, like... I, I agree with all the points you're saying. I, I think Eternals has a few things going against it. One being, obviously, it comes out during the middle of a pandemic where this whole... There's still all this confusion about, like, which movies can be released in theaters and actually be successful versus which other ones are just going to totally tank and have to go directly to VOD. There's then also the whole thing of like how long is Disney going to leave it in theaters before they put it on Disney Plus and just let it get Disney Plus numbers and more subscriptions. And it's also coming after Avengers Endgame. So it's at the beginning of this next phase, this next cycle of, of Marvel movies. And I just think Marvel, the fact that they've released so many movies at this point, I don't think we're really going to see... Like Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy were perfect examples of like the pre-Avengers Endgame Marvel releases that were like sort of oddball, kind of off-the-wall Marvel releases that still made billions of dollars at the box office or whatever. I just don't think we're in that anymore. Marvel's just released I mean, too much stuff, and now there's all the shows. Like, There's just too much content anymore, and I think they've almost diluted their product just a little bit not a lot but like each new release is not this grand i mean thing the that eternals it used to, be. to be fair gross 402 million box office worldwide yeah i mean so that's not i mean any other studio puts out a movie and it makes 400 million dollars they're going to be happy with it um i just think for marvel you know they're like well we're used to making 900 plus million you know what i mean so um I don't know. Just all, all of those points that I just went over, I think, apply to Eternals. And we can keep the MCU discussion going because Black Widow is up next. I also gave Black Widow three stars. So just to check in with you, you haven't seen any of these new MCU movies, correct? Uh, I've only seen one movie on this list. Okay, and we haven't gotten to it yet. Correct. It's okay. 
Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But we'll we'll. Well, I went I went with you to the movie, so you should know. Oh yeah. Okay, I know which one it is. All right. Um. So anyway, Black Widow is up next. If you want to keep our little MCU discussion going. Black Widow was the first one that they released this year. They released four new MCU movies this year, and that was the first one. Um, it was cool, and I think Black Widow, I think really fans have been kind of clamoring for a black a solo Black Widow movie like since the Avengers really popped off. And I mean, I... I think, you know, I I've, the whole time w- was like, yeah, a Black Widow, a solo Black Widow movie will be awesome. I mean, she's this badass spy. You can play on the whole, like, Russian backstory and her being, you know, double-crossing people. I mean, you can make a dope spy action thriller out of Black Widow. Um, the the movie just, I didn't think, I didn't think it really quite hit the level of expectations that you normally expect for an MCU movie. It kind of had a a very... It had some really great action set pieces. It had good spy thriller type stuff. It introduces her. I mean, I guess this is a spoiler to say. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Black Widow. It it introduces her sister into the narrative. And her sister is a tremendous character that I think is going to be a great um, addition to the MCU. And she's already popped up in some other stuff that I won't talk about. But it's got some great action set pieces. And... It just ends in this really like big, loud, noisy, confusing like CGI mess, which I'll get another MCU movie that was released this year kind of ended in a similar fashion. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I just think it was like a little bit of a disappointment for being the first new MCU movie we had gotten in like two years at that point. Because I'm pretty sure that was the first one released since like Spider-Man Far From Home. Because then the pandemic hit, and then we didn't get any new MCU releases for like almost two years, I think, is what it was. So, any whoosies. That was the any what's a whoosies. <laughs> first two MCU movies on the list. The next one up is a movie called Army of the Dead. Did you hear about this movie? I feel like I've heard about it, but I I know nothing about it. So it's a Netflix original that um, Zack Snyder, the guy who directed the famous or the infamous. Snyder cut of Justice League. You know, he did like I'm pretty sure he directed Man of Steel. He directed 300. Mm. He directed Watchmen. He's done a lot of like really stylish superhero sort of action movies that I've really liked in the past. But um, he did this movie with Dave Bautista called Army of the Dead, and it's a basically a fun. I mean, I guess it's kind of fun. It's a, it's it, it's a fun zombie shoot 'em up action movie where basically the in this world zombie virus spreads and it happens in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the government is able to contain the zombie outbreak to Las Vegas. So then you fast forward a couple years and like none of the rest of the world is under a zombie plague. It's just functioning correctly. But like Las Vegas, Nevada is this weird little like quarantined zone in the middle of the country that's just totally and utterly infested with zombies. (laughs) And so like... There's well, this, good thing we have Blackhawk. Yeah, there's this uh, this rich guy comes to them and is like, "Hey, I'll pay you." There's a bank vault in one of the hotels that has like a hundred million dollars in it or whatever. If you can get in there and take the money, I'll give you X percentage of it because I think it's like it's his money or something. Right. He goes, "I'll I'll give you X percentage of it." And you, oh, and here's the here's the kicker too. You got to do it within the next 48 hours. Cause the U S government's going to nuke Vegas and, and get rid oh. of, get, get rid of the zombie plague. Lawyer. So 
they, there's this whole thing of like they got to get in there, fight all these zombies, try and rob the bank, get out and not get killed, and also not get nuked on their way out. So um, it's a it's a fun movie to watch, and it's a Netflix original. So like if you have so Netflix, it's more of just a movie like just go enjoy it. There's no yeah, like just. Just don't don't think about the silliness of the plot and all that kind of stuff. Just watch Dave Batista shoot a machine gun at zombies and like flip card tables at them and stuff. It's nice. it's fun. Um so speaking of Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League is the next movie on the list. I actually gave this three and a half out of five stars. Um, I don't know if you ever saw it. Did you watch the original Justice League? I'm not gonna lie, I started it and I was already bored, so I was like, Meh. Yeah. So we've had we've had many a discussion on MCU versus DCU. Um I will say, so anyone who is curious, I won't go into all the details now, but just Google like the Snyder Cut of Justice League and read up on the backstory. It was literally, I think this is, at least in my memory, one of the only successful internet campaigns of fans just being like, hey, you know that movie you released? It sucked. We heard there was a different cut that's way better. You should release that one. And they just kept after it and kept after it and kept after it for years. And finally... Warner Brothers releases Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. Imagine, imagine being—it's honestly a vast improvement on the original movie. Right, I but will imagine say. being like in the second or the first one, the original one, and everyone just shits so hard on it. Like everyone besides people liking Harley Quinn, like that was the only thing people enjoyed about that movie was Harley Quinn. And everyone's like, "Yeah, it just sucks. Give us the other one." And just imagine being in there and you, yeah. like, you put all your this effort into it. You're like, yeah. You know, like Marvel, here we come, and then everyone's yeah. like, "This fucking like, sucks." This blows. Try again, <laughs> and and then you're like, "All right," and then you put another one out, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this, this is much better. You should have <laughs> did this the first time." They're, they're it's just it's like, really God, crazy, right? dude. The story I've never seen that before ever in my life, where fans were just like, "No, we didn't like this. Try again," and then they were like, "Yeah, okay." There were there was a, there's actually another cut, and we'll work on it. Much we'll release better, it. much better. And it's very weird. I, there was a lot of confusion, at least for me, as to what exactly was going to be included in, in in this new Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League that wasn't in the original movie. Because I don't know if you know the story. It's basically Zack Snyder was directing Justice League. I think he had some sort of uh, personal tragedy in his family. He had to step away from finishing it. And Joss Whedon, who directed the first two Avengers movies, came in and finished it. And I guess it was just a very different vision than what Zack Snyder was doing when he was working on the movie. So the the end result is kind of this jumbled mess of like two different clashing visions trying to make the same movie. It didn't end up working. So this version is Zack Snyder's cut that he got to go back and add scenes or whatever it was. But there was a little bit of confusion as to like, how is this going to differ? Is this just going to be justice league with like a couple of deleted scenes that weren't in the first one? Right. Like, I don't understand what the point of it is, but dude, this Zack Snyder's justice league is like a four hour long movie. And it includes like probably an hour and a half of totally new material. Like it is literally a completely different film than the first justice league. And it, it, it's actually, I will say a vast improvement on the original movie. It's not perfect. It's not the Avengers, but it is a vast improvement on the original movie. And I think the only thing that stopped me from rewatching it is just the fact that it literally is a four hour long movie. Like, and I just, I'm not that into DC stuff. So I watched it once. I You're think like, I'm I good, can watch two of the, two of the Batmans in this time. Right, I think yeah. I'd rather like do it's, that. it's long. 
So um, anyway, that's my little spiel on Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we're in the three and a half star category right now. The next one up is a movie called Old, which I actually saw on my birthday, which was uh, fitting, I think, because I'm old as fuck. Um, this is M. Night Shyamalan's new movie about a group of tourists who get stuck on a beach where time seems to be moving incredibly rapidly and they're aging um, like years within just hours. Um, and it's got the classic M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end of the explanation of whatever this supernatural thing is that's going on. It's not the best M. Night Shyamalan movie, but I think it's the best one he's done in a while. Um, I actually really liked his trilogy of Unbreakable, Split, and Glass, and a lot of people have kind of shit on it, but he seems to be one of those directors where he releases a movie and it either is a giant hit or people hate it, and a lot of that has to do with what the twist in the movie is, which I kind of like. I mean, you're taking a big risk by watching a new one of his movies without knowing anything about it, but they can be awesome sometimes, and I liked the concept of this movie. Um, It's not perfect, I don't think any M. Night Shyamalan movie really is, especially the recent ones, but it's definitely an interesting watch. So next up is a movie called Nobody, which Nobody. I was super excited about Nobody. when um, when I first saw the trailer. It's got Bob Odenkirk, who played Saul Goodman in the Breaking Bad series and and now obviously the Better Call Saul series, being like a John Wick type character who beats the shit out of a bunch of people and like murders a bunch of Russian mobsters. Oh, Pretty right. awesome. It's not it's not John Wick, but for a guy who is a former, you know, comedic actor played sleazy lawyer in one of the best TV shows ever made, it's a pretty impressive turn as like a badass John Wick, you know, ex special forces guy. So, um I would definitely recommend that one to anyone who hasn't seen it. The last one in the three and a half star category is a movie called Don't Look Up, which is a very new release that came out kind of around Christmas time. And it's got like one of the most all-star casts you've ever heard of. It's Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep. Like the list goes on and on and on. There's so many people in this movie, but it's basically like a, it's a satire and a parody of basically how insane like American culture has kind of gotten. It's basically like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are astronomers who spot an asteroid heading for earth. That's gonna, it has the potential to just totally wipe out all life on earth. And they start trying to tell the government and tell news outlets about it. And just no one seems very concerned about it. And they, they're kind of like freaking out. And it's basically a story about the same, the guy who wrote and directed is the same guy who did the big short, um, which was about the financial crisis. So it's a very similar vein to that of like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make a point about like society or teach you something, but I'm gonna make it funny because like he comes from. I'm pretty sure he directed like Step Brothers and stuff. Worked with oh, Will yeah. Ferrell a whole bunch. So he's got a very comedic background. The guy's name is Adam McKay. Um, I, I thought this was pretty funny. It's not. For like for me, I'm a gigantic Leo fan, and I love Jennifer Lawrence as well. And I'm a you know I like a lot of the people who are in this movie, and I like Adam McKay and his last few movies he's done. But it's not quite as good as The Big Short. I think The Big Short is definitely the best movie I've seen that he's directed. Um, Vice was pretty good, but Big Short's still better than that one, I think. But this one was pretty cool. It's just it's kind of a fun movie to watch. Just like there are certain movies where 
the movie itself is not maybe amazing, but it has such an amazing cast that you're like, I'm cool with just watching like 15 super famous people like be cool and famous right. and funny in this movie for the next hour and a half. Like, I'll just watch this. This is kind of one of those movies. I will say, while it's funny, it does kind of leave you with like a depressive feeling so at the, the end world where you're end. like... <laughs> Yeah, I can kind of see this playing out that way, and that's what makes this really depressing. So people are gonna care more about the coronavirus when there's an asteroid like six inches from Earth. You're gonna like look out your window and be like, "We're about to die," and they're like, "Oh yeah, we knew about this two years ago. We just didn't care." <laughs> so we're now into the four star category, and this is a movie that I think you would actually probably really like. This is a movie called The Last Duel, and this is one that I've watched very recently. It was one of the ones that I kind of missed when it came out in theaters. It finally just hit HBO Max, and I just watched it. This is Ridley Scott's. Ridley Scott did two new movies last year at the age of, like, 90. Guy's fucking insane. One of the best directors of all time. It's got Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and um, Adam Driver in a historical epic about based on a true story about the last government-sanctioned duel to the death that happened in France. And this takes place in, like, the 1300s. And it's a very, very interesting movie told from three different perspectives so basically matt damon's character marries this woman i think she's played by jody comer i think in the movie is the actress's name um he marries her um adam driver's character and matt damon's character are like former friends and soldiers together they have like a lot of history and matt damon's character's wife accuses Adam Driver's character of raping her. Ah, And that's why Matt Damon's character challenges um, Adam Driver's character to a duel to the death, and the king agrees to this. This is all based on true shit, which is really crazy. But the movie, uh, what makes the movie so unique is it's told from three different POVs. You get, you see a lot of the same events unfold, but they unfold differently each time because like you see it, First from Matt Damon's character's perspective, then you see it from Adam Driver's character's perspective, and then finally you see it from her perspective, Jodie Comer's perspective, and then you get the duel at the end. Imagine, it's a really interesting way that they set up Imagine fighting someone to the death. You kill him and they're an innocent man. Or imagine well, being an innocent man and you have to kill someone to prove that you're innocent. Yes. And then you kill them and they're still like, yeah, we still think you're guilty though. And you're like... So, that's the crazy thing, man. Like, you know how in Game of Thrones you can demand trial by combat mm-hmm. where it's like they always say, let, let's let the gods decide. Right. That's based on some real shit because they have that in this movie where like France clearly had that as a law right. where they were like, if you accuse this guy of something, he denies it and we don't have any evidence to prove this one way or another in the courts. He can challenge you to a duel to the death, and we will, quote, unquote, let God decide. So right. that means if he beats you, he's innocent. He's innocent. If you beat him, he was guilty, which, right. like, we obviously know now that has fucking nothing to do with guilt or innocence, but they believe that at one point, which right. is the insane thing. So what makes the movie so fascinating is, like, you get this duel, and by the way, the duel at the end is sick. It's just so, like... This movie would not be as good if, like, you get to the duel and the duel is not exciting. The duel is exciting. They get to the duel and, like, someone just shoots him in the chest with a crossbow <laughs> and he falls over and you're like, what? That's yeah. it? So, like, not only do you get this really interesting tale told by three different perspectives, the, the duel at the end is dope. But when the movie ends, I mean, there is definitely some gray area of, like, who was telling the truth. 
And the thing that I think is interesting, I don't know enough about, this is based on a book. Someone, some historian wrote a book based on these events. I guess they had gone through like, which by the way, shout out to this guy. Cause it sounds like a boring fucking job. They had gone through like however many scrolls thousands of, of scrolls of like court records from ancient France. Like who the fuck wants to do that? Anyway, they found this crazy story. And, um, so, I don't know enough about the original story to know like if they actually know who was telling the truth or if they're literally just presenting it like, here's this what this what guy happened. said, here's what this guy said, here's what she said, and then here's what happened. We don't know who was telling the truth, which I think is even more interesting because it's like, was she lying about it? Was Adam Driver's character telling the truth when he was kind of saying, well... She was in love with me, but she didn't want to tell him that. And like, it was actually consensual. Like, you don't really know. You just know, okay, here's how this guy saw it. Here's how he saw it. Here's how she saw it. There was a duel to the death, and this guy died. That's all you know. The end. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Anyway, I was a big fan. I think you should check it out. It's on HBO Max. I think you'd like it. All right. Um, next up is a movie called The Guilty. And I'm always impressed when actors can do an entire movie like in one room or one little area and it's all about them and they can just carry the movie and make it interesting. The guilty is an example of that scenario. So the guilty stars Jake Gyllenhaal and he's basically a, f- a detective who's like on suspension who has to work nine one one operation calls. And he is he's a detective by nature. So he gets this call where like this woman's been abducted. And so he goes like out of his way to try and use all of the resources that he has available to like help this woman. Right. And it's got a really crazy twist at the end. And he, you find out kind of like throughout the movie, he he like steps out into the hall he's making personal calls and you find out through his calls with his friends and stuff that he's on trial for like murder. Like he clearly did some fucked up shit while he was on duty as a detective. And that's why he's on suspension. And, it's really good, dude. It's intense. The The guy who wrote it is the same guy who created the show True Detective on HBO, which I'm fucking obsessed with. So, like, it's it's good. And Jake Gyllenhaal is just, like, a really, really, really good actor. He's really good. So it's just him being a 911 operator for, like, an hour and a half, but it is a thrilling movie. So I would highly recommend that to anyone. That one's on Netflix. Um, another four-star movie I have on here is a movie called Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's a video did, game. Did you ever watch any of the old Mortal Kombat movies? No, but I've played the video game. You played the video game? I mean, I think pretty much anyone Every, anyone any, who grew up in our yeah. era played the video game. Such a so, good game. Yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat's fu- fucking awesome. The old movies, I actually really liked. They're super cheesy, but I really liked them. This new one was like everything I wanted from a Mortal Kombat movie. It's like cheesy but it's updated to where you got like dope ass cgi and like the action is awesome and they made it like bloody and stuff you know like there's like blood and gore like dude the new mortal Kombat fucking rules i don't i don't give a shit when anyone says that's a four-star movie for me hands down um that one's on hbo by the way i think you can watch that whenever you want on hbo um the next one up is a movie called last night in soho which I gave four stars. This one fell just shy of being like a really awesome movie. This is Edgar Wright's new movie. He's directed movies like Baby Driver, and he did quite a few movies back in the day with uh, – I'm spacing on the dude's name. You know the guy who plays opposite of Tom Cruise? He plays like the British tech guy who's like kind of quirky and funny in the Mission Impossible movies. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? I know who you're talking Simon about. Simon Pegg. Yeah. So Edgar Wright has directed Simon Pegg in quite a few movies back in the day, but this new movie is um, directed by Edgar Wright, and it's basically about this girl who's like an aspiring fashion designer, and she goes to London 
to go to fashion school and she ends up renting this um, room from this this old lady who has like owns a house and she's renting this room out for people who are staying in London. And she ends up somehow like being able to time travel back to like the 60s in London. And she ends up like following around this one woman who has traveled to London in the 60s to be like an actress or a singer or something. And she starts getting involved. She's able to like watch this this woman's like life kind of play out and like, like through each night when she right. falls asleep and stuff. And then it starts to turn into this like murder mystery thing of like this woman gets murdered or, or she thinks she gets murdered and she's trying to figure out this whole thing. And then she kind of like this girl in present day who is able to do this weird sort of time traveling stuff starts to, you know, you're starting to kind of think like, is she losing her mind? Cause then she starts having hallucinations and all this kind of stuff. And it's very stylish, stylistic. It's got really great soundtrack. Um, it's a cool sort of like time travel ghost story thing woven together with like, really cool like time travel set pieces with like old timey cars and dresses and like nightclubs and stuff. But it just right at the very end, it kind of falls just a little bit shy of being like a five star. Get you to the top of the mountain, but doesn't let you summit it. It's like, you hit a triple, but you didn't hit a home run. You know what I mean? You hit a triple and you're running halfway down and your coach is like, yeah, go back. Yeah. 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 So I like this one a lot. Just it, it wasn't quite amazing. And I I think it, it definitely had the potential. The next one, I believe this is the latest Pixar. Well, one of the latest Pixar movies. It's called Encanto. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. So you know how we've talked before on this podcast about how I don't do a good enough job of watching animated movies and like a lot of times I'll miss the new Pixar releases <laughs> for like years. Well, this is a brand new one and I watched it and it's dope. We, I, we watched it on Disney Plus and it's basically like um, this – Mexican family, they, they give like this whole backstory where like they get run out of their town they're living in and they somehow come across this magic thing that like builds them a house and gives them all like magical powers, like this thing. It's very like colorful and like kind of like classic Pixar thing of like you're blown away by the animation and the colors right. and all this stuff. And it's got a really cool story like the magic house starts to crack and fail and they start losing their powers one by one and it's up to the one daughter and the family who doesn't have powers to like figure out what's going on and save the family it's like it's it's good you'll like it it's i mean pixar is just always hitting home runs so the only one that i haven't seen that's a new release from them is uh i think it's called luca isn't it the one where like the kids it's like in italy or something and the kids are like mermen and then they try and pretend to be people up on land or whatever ty watched it and said it's really good but i haven't seen that one quite yet um the last of the four out of five stars is A Quiet Place Part 2. Now, I think I've told you about A Quiet Place before. We actually owned that first one. I really liked the sequel. I thought it was just as good. Not better, but just as good as the first one. My only complaint is that it ends really abruptly. Because like, they're making a third one. They have to be making a third one. Like You're like in it. You're stressed out. There's intense situations. There's crazy action. And the story's moving along, and then all of a sudden it just ends, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like I thought I was expecting like at least another thirty minutes in that movie. Didn't get it, so hopefully we get a Quiet Place Part Three. Anyway, Quiet sure Place will be one of the coolest worlds that has been created in movies in the last ten years, in my opinion. So now we're getting down to the really really good movies. So this is four and a half star category. Another Marvel movie. So this is the third one on the list. This is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, this one's dope. I really like this. So I was talking about how Black Widow 
ended in kind of this loud, messy CGI final fight. This movie ends this a similar way. So it gets a little bit like I kind of it's hard to track what's going on here at the end. It's just like this big loud CGI one. fight. But the rest of the movie is fucking awesome, dude. Like the storyline behind it, the um martial arts like fight sequences, like the main guy, Shang-Chi, is a fucking badass, dude. Like and I, I think I'm really excited to see what they do and how they insert him into the MCU because he's obviously definitely going to be a part of the larger MCU, but he's got like access to these magical 10 rings that give him like these powers and stuff. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, I would highly recommend that one. So another four and a half star one. This is the one movie on the list that you've seen, right? So this is yep. no time to die. The latest James Bond movie and the last Daniel Craig James Bond. So you know what? I'm going to shut up and give you the floor because this is the only one you've seen. What'd you so think? The next movie on the list is, uh, no, this is a great movie. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I mean, we've been waiting. It's been. It was supposed to be released. I think May of 2020. I think you're right. Yeah. Like we, because we went and saw 1916. I think like Christmas oh, or yeah. like before Christmas of 2019. Yes. And we are like, all right, when this comes out. Oh no, it was mm-hmm. April of 2020. Yeah. Right. When that's it comes out in April, yeah. we're gonna go watch it, and then yeah. they're like, okay, we're gonna delay it till October of 2020. We're like, all right, we're gonna go watch it, and they're like, okay, we're gonna delay it until. A- April of 2021, and then we're like, all right, yeah, and they're like, okay, we're gonna delay it until uh, TBD, and we're like, oh, <laughs> and Chris, meanwhile, the <laughs> entire Chris- time is blowing us up, like, guys, are we gonna go see New James Bond? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. whenever they fucking release it, man, we're going. No, I mean, we got in there, and it was one of those like, you know, it starts with the epic James Bond scene, and you're yeah. like, all right, this it, it's got to be good, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's Daniel Craig, like he came out, but I mean, we knew before it was his last movie, mm-hmm. so it's like something's gonna happen yeah uh, great fucking story behind it i mean it's a james bond that yeah, like literally yeah. n- no part of that movie was bad i i completely I agree mean, i loved it i don't like the ending i thought like there could have been a better ending you okay. know but and i'm not gonna i don't want to like say anything to give it away yeah i guess we don't really want to spoil it if for anyone else i, I would have liked to see it go a different way just because of things that came up in the movie and, and things that happened in the movie I would have liked to see it go a different way and you, you know, kind of, uh, I'll compare it to, um, the dark Knight rises. I would kind of like to see it end like that. Oh, okay. I gotcha. If you kind of see what I'm yeah, like without yeah. giving it fully away. Yeah. We won't, we won't see, say too much cause I don't want to spoil it. I, I kind of would like to see something like that. happen. I gotcha. Yeah. But I, I mean, it, it was dude. great. I mean, there was, I would zero complaints besides just wanting the ending to be a different way. Yeah. It was to me, it, it met all expectations that I had. Like I, I really thought, I thought it was great. I loved it. I gave it four and a half out of five stars. I mean, I think Skyfall, in my opinion, is still Daniel Craig's best James Bond movie. I think that's my favorite. But this is like right there. I what, mean, it's what is it's it? good. Uh, oh, I'm gonna mess his name up. Is, is it Remy Hyatt? Remy Malik. Re- Remy yeah. Malik. I don't yeah. know why I was seeing. Uh, oh shit! I can't even think of her name right now. I was reading a name with that started with an H. <laughs> But uh, dude, he's his villain. Is, it's great. It's, yeah, it's a fucking great, role. and it's a terrifying villain too. Like the, it's one of the scariest. Vi- like no, not scariest, but most terrifying villains in yeah, like the James Bond. I would say the threat level in this one is probably as high as it's been in any yeah. of those movies. Yeah. yeah, 
I loved it, dude. I was Great. I was really happy with it. I would rewatch it in a heartbeat. For sure, for sure. And I, I hope Chris liked it as much as we did. I think he did. But I If he didn't, we're never taking a movie again. <laughs> well, I just remember during like, you know, most of these movies start off kind of like you said with this like 15 to 20 minute like rampant action frantic thing where it's like, boom, bitch, you're in a James Bond movie and you're like, fuck yeah. And like while that was happening, Chris just kept looking over at me. And looking over at me, and he, I, I finally was like, Chris, what do you need? He's like, he's like, is this awesome? And I'm like, this is fucking awesome, dude. He was like, so he was, stoked. he's got his hand in his popcorn too. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you having a good time? Is this awesome? I'm like, yeah, dude, this is fucking awesome. So, gotta love Chris. Anyway, no time to die. Dope. Um, another four and a half star movie is called No Sudden Move. Now, this was a HBO Max release as well. There's a whole bunch of those if you've noticed on this list. Um, mm-hmm. This is Steven Soderbergh's new movie. So Steven Soderbergh, one of the best directors, I think, working for the last 20 years. That guy's put out a lot of really, really dope movies. He made like the Ocean's 11, 12, 13. He did um, Contagion. He did like a whole bunch of really dope movies. You could look him up on IMDb and see what else he's directed. But this is one of his newest movies, and it's got um, Benicio Del Toro, Don Cheadle, the guy who played the new Hellboy, and he's also in Stranger Things. I'm spacing on his name, but like a lot, a lot of famous actors in this right. movie. Um, and it's like a noir heist crime movie with a lot of like double crossing and like you don't know who's working for who and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I was like really impressed with this movie. I, I kind of thought like, oh, it's Don Cheadle who I like um, in a noir crime thriller movie. Yeah, I'll watch it on HBO Max. Sure, I wasn't going in with like a lot of like high expectations, but like it surpassed anything I thought it was going to be. Lots of great twists and turns, and like a good surprise cameo at the end too that I don't want to like spoil. But it's a super famous person that shows up at the very end. That like you're like, oh shit! I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. So No Sudden Moves a really good movie if you like um, crime thriller type movies. Another movie that is sort of similar to that, but I think is maybe a little bit better is a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah. So this movie's a little bit weird because they released it like in February of this past year of 2021, but it was eligible for the prior Oscars. You know how like in 2020, there were so few movies that were released just because of the pandemic that they were trying to fill. Cause I think they do like 10 movies are eligible for, no, for best picture each year and stuff right. like that. So they were trying to fill the category so even though Judas and the Black Messiah was released in 2021, it was competing with movies that were released in 2020 for the Oscars like for the Oscar year. nominated and like it hasn't even been released. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but this movie is fucking dope. And it's also got straight up one of the best trailers I've ever seen, like the teaser trailer for this movie sold me. I'm like, I am watching that. I don't know what it's about, but that movie looks fucking awesome. If this awesome. is the best scene, I'll be there. And it's it's based on a true story. It's basically about so Daniel Kaluuya, who was in um, Jordan Peele's Get Out, and he was in Black Panther, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, he plays Fred Hampton, who was the like chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. And sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And it's got um, the guy who played. I he's from Breaking Bad. Uh, Todd, I think. You remember Todd from Breaking Bad? 
Um, Jesse Plemons, I think, is his name. He's sure. gone on to do after Breaking Bad. He's been in like every Oscar-nominated movie that's ever been released. It feels like he's got a really good agent, but um, he plays an FBI agent who basically FBI open up. and it's so the other guy is Lakeith Stanfield who or Stanfield. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but he basically this guy gets caught impersonating a federal officer to like rob someone, gets arrested. And then Jesse Plemons' character come in, comes in. He's an FBI agent. And he's like, listen, you can get up to 10 years in prison for all these charges we have. Or you could be an informant for us within the Black Panther Party and help us basically take down Fred Hampton. Because the nice. FBI was basically like treating the Black Panthers like they were a terrorist organization. So... And I'm, this is not a spoiler because this is all based on true events that you could just look up. Way to ruin the movie. The FBI us. like essentially assassinates Fred Hampton with the help of this guy. It's an excellent fucking movie. Like I was a huge fan of this. And like I said, I'll try and get you to, to look up like the right version of the trailer before I leave because like the teaser trailer of this. I'm a big fan of like trailers, like really good trailers. This trailer blew me away, and it's one of those ones where, like, I was nervous that the movie wasn't going to live up to how dope the trailer was, but it really did. It's a it's a great movie. Well, that's good. Um, so Judas and the Black Messiah. For anyone who's not seen it, definitely check it out. All right, there are two movies on the list this year. Now, I will say there are some other movies that were 2021 releases that I have not seen yet. That who knows may come in and shift up these rankings. They may not. But as of right now, as of today, there are two movies. On the list, who I ranked as five stars. The first one being Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, you haven't seen this yet, obviously, because you nope. said that you've only seen one movie on here. You should fucking see this movie, man. It's pretty amazing. I mean, with all of the hype that's been online about this and all the reviews, like, it's not... I don't think it's the best Marvel movie. Like, some people have been like, oh my god, it's the best Marvel movie they've ever made. That's not true. I don't think that's true. Because I think that flag or that crown deserves to be on like Avengers Endgame or Infinity Wars. Right. But it's damn close. Like it's probably top five Marvel movies. And it's like all of the expectations that you had for a Spider-Man movie where they were going to be bringing in villains from other Spider-Man movies and playing with this whole multiverse thing. And you got Doctor Strange in there too. Like all of the hype... Like it meets it. The it was movie real. is fucking awesome, dude. And and it's like, I don't know. I won't say anything else about it. I mean, it has been out for a little while, long enough for people to see it. But I won't say any spoilers. Um, it's awesome. You uh, I'm sure I'll you watch should it definitely sometime. check it out. I would say out of the four Marvel releases from last year, that was hands down the best, followed by Shang Chi second. So I would right. I would see those two first, and then you can see Black Panther or not sorry Black Widow and Eternals just whenever you get a chance. So I, I think Black it, Panther Pod. I think at this point they're all on Disney Plus. If you want to check them out on Disney Plus, maybe Spider Man isn't. I'll have to check. Yeah, Spider Man probably won't be, but the other ones are. I think. And without further ado, um, the last movie on the list and a five star movie, Dune. Directed by Denis Villeneuve, starring like a shit ton of famous people: Timothy Chalamet, Javier Bardem, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Jason Momoa. I mean, the list goes on. This is the sci-fi epic based on Frank Herbert's novel of the same name, which I is one of my top five favorite books of all time. Which I actually reread this year or last year Nerd. after seeing the movie, so I've now read that twice. Um, and it's. Straight up, one of the best sci-fi I'm stories. I'm so upset of I didn't get to come see that with you guys. I was like so hyped to see that movie, and then, dude, my body just was like, 
go fuck yourself. And I was like, well, all right. It is so good. I mean, it's literally, like I said, one of my top five favorite books of all time. So I had high hopes going into this. And Denis Villeneuve, the guy who directed it, I had even more high hopes when I knew he was directing it when I saw the first couple of trailers because he's done Blade Runner 2049, which I think genuinely is like a science fiction masterpiece, one of my favorite movies of the last few years. He's done Sicario. He's done Prisoners. He's done Arrival. Like, just bangers. The guy is really, really good at what he does. And he's adapting one of my favorite stories of all time. So um, I had high hopes, and it met all of those. Now, I will say... um, you know, I won't ramble too much about what Dune is actually about. You can look that up. There's plenty of material online about it. It's one of the most influential sci-fi books of all time. Um, I will say that this movie is part one. So right. the, bo- the book, so it's like an eight-book series. I've actually only ever read the first book. Eight but movies later. The first book is divided into three parts, and it's a very long book. It's like 800-plus pages. And so there's a lot of material to cover, and... They basically, this movie ends about halfway through that first book. So I think part two will be kind of midway through the end of the story. Ah. Um, but it's like a two and a half hour long movie of... Yeah, I need to see it. Dude. I, I was so psyched to see it It fucking too, blew and... me away. It it blew me away. Like th- this in Blade Runner 2049, his last movie he directed, genuinely two of the greatest sci-fi movies I've ever seen. Like hands down. So... Without right. further ado, what are your top five? Yeah, without further ado, we'll get to the top five because I was going to say something that would spoil it, but let's might as well just talk about it. Yep. So here's how I ranked them. Um, number five, I put No Sudden Move, which I talked about. I thought was an incredibly underrated movie, kind of flew under the radar. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Number four, I put Judas and the Black Messiah, which I've actually only seen the one time. I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Hopefully, it's still on HBO Max. I really like that movie. Number three, No Time to Die, which I also want to rewatch. You know, you, you and I were just kind of talking. We've only seen it the one time. I would definitely rewatch that movie, especially because all the other James Bond movies I've rewatched multiple times, and I like rewatching those movies. They're very rewatchable. Yeah, they're super rewatchable. Um, number two, I had Spider Man No Way Home. I mean, I just rambled about that for a little bit. I won't say any spoilers, but it's like one of the best Marvel movies they've ever made. And coming in at number one is Dune, probably to no surprise uh, after just hearing me talk about that. I think it's genuinely like a sci-fi masterpiece, and I'm highly anticipating part two, and who knows, maybe I will reread the book again when part two comes out. So I just uh, ordered the Blu-ray on Amazon, and it got to my house last night, so I'm probably going to watch it for like the third time, because I watched it in theaters. I watched it when they put it on HBO Max, and now I own it, so I'll probably be rewatching it multiple times. But Dune, for anyone who has not seen it, if you're even in the slightest interested in sci-fi stories, please, please check it out. It's it's pretty incredible, and it's in the hands of, like I think, genuinely one of the best directors working today. So Dune, my favorite movie of the year. Well, my top two is uh, Red Notice at number two and uh, No Time to Die at number one. Oh, you actually have seen a different movie. You I, saw, Red I Notice. saw Red Notice, yeah. So how is Red Notice? Because Taya watched it, but I did not watch it. it it's all right. <clears throat> I mean... That's a Netflix original, right? Yeah, it's with The Rock. Um, yeah. And Gal Ryan, Gadet and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan so Reynolds. it's like a great cast. Yeah. I think it could have been better, but it wasn't like... Like I watched it and I was like, well, I'm not disappointed that I yeah, watched it, yeah. but I'm not like... Holy shit, like I, I'm going to rewatch it in like three days. Yeah. But it was all right. 
that was one it. where I saw the trailer for it and stuff, and I was like, this seems on paper like something I should be excited about. But for whatever reason, I just couldn't get that excited about it. It's all right. It's kind of one like if you got it, like two hours that you need to fill. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all right. Just, just check it Download out. it, watch it on a plane or yeah. something. Yeah. So I will say, too, to wrap this up, I you know, I was, I was mentioning that The Card Counter and The Last Duel were two movies that I had missed and I just saw recently now that we're into 2022 a little bit. But here's the last four movies of 2021 that I want to see that I genuinely think may have contention for the top five. The first one would be King Richard, um, Will Smith's new movie where he plays the Venus and Serena mm-hmm. Williams' father. Uh, you know, true story there. Everyone's kind of – there's some Oscar buzz for Will Smith this year. Um, House of Gucci, which yeah, was – I still need to see that. Yeah, which looks awesome. That was Ridley Scott's – that was the other movie other than The yep. Last Duel that he released last year. That looks fucking awesome. Um, Nightmare Alley, which is Guillermo del Toro's latest movie with Bradley Cooper in it and a bunch of other famous people. Um, I'm genuinely super curious to see what that movie's all about. I've been a big Guillermo del Toro fan for a while, so and I like pretty much anything Bradley Cooper's in, so I want to check that out. And then the last one, I really don't know. This may be like a movie where I'm like, this is a masterpiece, and this may be a movie where I'm like, I hated this because the guy who directed this movie, I would say out of like the six movies or so that I've seen, I like loved three of them, and I thought three of them were absolutely horrible. So who the fuck knows? But it's called Licorice Pizza. And it's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest movie. I've heard about that movie. And it looks good from the trailer. And he's capable of really getting me with a movie. But there's also been some movies that he's released that everyone is really excited about that I just don't think are very good. So who knows? Who knows which category that's going to fall into? But those are the last four movies, like major 2021 releases that I really wanted to see that I think might have contention for top five for last year. But as of right now... The top five is as I just read. So Well, to round it out so people can hear my voice today, <laughs> the top 15 highest grossing films of 2021 oh, yeah. are as follows from 15 to 1. Uh, Encanto is 15 at nine, almost 91 million. Dune is 14 at about 93.4 million. Both of those are still in theaters, so those numbers will probably continue to go up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and this is just domestic gross, not international. Godzilla vs. Kong uh, finished just under the 100 million mark. Jungle Cruise finished at about 117 million. Free Guy finished at just under 122 million. <laughs> Free Guy made a lot of money. Sing 2, uh, just under 122 million as well. Still in theaters, so probably will go up a little bit. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife mm. came in at 126 million. Uh, and is still in theaters as well. A Quiet Place t- uh, Part Two, 160 million. Uh, no Time to Die, 160 million. Uh, Eternals, 100 about 65 million. Fast Nine, oh yeah, uh, 173 million. Black Widow coming in at number four at 100 about 84 million. Venom at number three with about 213 million. Uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, just under 225 million, and then Spider-Man, which is still in theaters, with a domestic gross of 704 million. Holy shit! So and Spider-Man theaters, is like number so one by a wide margin, by half a billion dollars. <laughs> I think that sounds more intimidating than 
500 million, it really half does. a billion, half you're a like billion. half billion. They're like, oh. I really think what they're doing with Spider-Man No Way Home is surpassing even Marvel's expectations probably because like, dude, Almost during a, billion during a pandemic where like supposedly no one's going to theaters and a lot of theater chains have closed down to make 700 plus million dollars the domestic box office, that's fucking insane. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Like, think if that movie came out in 2019 or 2018, that would easily be over a billion dollars. They were domestic. smart to release it when they did, though, when, you know, restrictions almost everywhere were kind of lifted. Right. And, and it was like live their lives. right near the Christmas holiday, too, where right. a lot of people go see movies. And so stuff. it was so like they timed it pretty well. Yeah. They, they did a good job with their release for this, you know, the yeah. uh, situation they were in. But, but yeah, those are the top 15. So. Maybe by the time we do a flashback of this year's movies, I'll actually have a top five. Yeah, and we'll probably know the Oscars too. Yeah. Because we normally, when we do our flashbacks, we do the highest grossing and then the Oscars, but obviously we're a little ahead of the game on that one this year. But So yeah. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to do the, the 2021 movie recap and then, yeah, we can revisit this one a couple years from now and do a little flashback, see if anything's changed, but... Yeah. Thanks for indulging me, Matt. Appreciate yeah, you're it. You're welcome. <laughs> Next episode, I'll talk. Okay. <laughs> we'll do one on hockey. Yeah. I, I literally have nothing to contribute on a hockey conversation. I had one thing to contribute today. <laughs> I just said my snarky remarks and then had one thing to contribute. So. All right. Well, um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, thanks for indulging me as Matt did and letting me talk about movies, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, we will most likely be back next week with a different topic that is undecided. As of yeah, this we haven't point, decided, so. <laughs> so it'll be a cliffhanger. Yeah, uh, you'll know when we know. How about that? Exactly. You'll know when we know when we switch on the mics. Yep. <laughs> but uh, thanks for tuning in uh, and listening to Zach. It, it was great. It was a fun time. Yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope you got some new movie ideas and suggestions. Yep. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Till next time, everybody.